what are the two or three characteristics that these innate characteristics that you can't train for that you are, uh, that lead somebody to say, I get to make cold calls today. What, what, what are like three characteristics that you look yeah, for? So that's, it's a really good question because as we've gone through this, this, uh, you know, our 22 year journey recruiting for our door openers is a critical part of doing a good job or exceeding expectations for our clients. So we have a whole study on this that we've done. The very first thing, and it's, I wouldn't say it's a characteristic, but it trumps everything, is that the person has to really want to do this job. And when companies are interviewing, when the managers are interviewing, if a salesperson is worth his or her salt, they're going to find out what you want, and then they're going to tell you they could do it but that doesn't mean they want to do it. Their resume may speak to the fact that they've had a lot of success, but that doesn't mean they want to do this job. So number one, the person has to want to do this job. The second characteristic that we look for is curiosity, like a natural curiosity. So if somebody says no, why do you think that? And to peel that onion back to find out what it is, what's behind all of this, so that you can say something in that split second, that performance moment that will have somebody stop and say, oh, you're right. I didn't think about it like that. I do need to have this meeting. Okay, let's put Thursday at 10 on the calendar. Not a lot of people in the moment, and these calls, you know, they last what, uh, two minutes, maybe? You don't get a second chance. You have to have the right person who's doing this with the right attitude. They want to do this job. And then the last piece of it is to not give up. It's you need to be in it just because you didn't reach somebody on the first try, third try, fifth try, 20th try does not mean that they are not interested. People, when they don't hear from prospects, will put their own narrative in place because they don't have any information, but their narrative is often not correct. So if your strategy is right, you have the right prospect group, you have the right message, then it's just really a matter of time as long as you hang in there. And most people don't. This is Karen Kopp from Kopp Consulting, and welcome to the Sassholes. And the reason why I chose to be on this podcast over all of the other ones that really clamored to have me on is because the name. That's why. That's why I'm here. Welcome to Sassholes, with a combined 100 years of making interesting decisions. Jamie, Justin, KG, and myself, Peter, dedicated to helping sales leaders or aspiring sales leaders accelerate revenues with our no bullshit approach to sales leadership strategies and tactics. Please subscribe to our YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Hey, today our guest is Karen Kopp. Karen Kopp is the chief door opener and founder of Kopp Consulting's award-winning door opener registered trademark service. Karen's <laughs> company lands executive level prospect meetings for their clients using the skills of experienced business developers and superior sales messaging. Cop has two trademarks in sales messaging, so you better not mess around. She co-authored the bestseller BizDev Done Right, and she's also a top 50 keynote speaker, cha-ching, and had her first cold calling job when she was 11. Before we get to Karen, we got some Patreon love to give out to our business supporters. Hey, unlock key account growth with Demand Farm's smart software to bring account planning and relationship intelligence into your CRM, making key account management practice data driven, predictable, and scalable. Request a demo now at demandfarm.com and ask for Iron Man. Hey, Brad Keltner and Winalytics. Okay, he's got this master class, Kevin. Have you heard of it? I've I've heard of it as in legend. It's legendary. Legendary, legendary, legendary. Okay, if your challenge is that most training and enablement is stuck in old product-driven models, the even bigger challenge is changing the product-driven mindset. The solution is the Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass with Sales and Marketing Expert Brett Keltner. 
Request a 60-minute growth consultation at winalytics.com. Ask for Brent and say Jamie Carney sent you. I'd also like to thank Aaron J. Trentas for their support. It's a real ego boost. Hey, looking, software developer, manager, 10 years experience, CPOUND, MSSQL, Angular, React, Azure, Cloud, Ask.net, Core, also Node, Jizz, Angular Web Development, email Pete at sassholes.net, recruiters, I got a hot one for you. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Each subscribes like magic fairy dust that turns 30 viewers into 3,000. Maybe you have the means, please support us on patreon.com slash sassholes. Whether it's just buying us a beer or using us to help prepare for your budget meeting, hey, we don't pull any punches. It's better to get beat up with us than you get beat up with your superiors. <laughs> KG? Uh, yes, Pete. Carney? Yeah, Pete. Go, please. Ju- justice is a dish best served cold. If it were served warm, it would be just water. Please leave us a review <laughs> just on our blog at sassholes.net. Did you get that? You've had, better, you've had better dad jokes in the past. I'm just saying, usually really? they make me laugh. That one made me get off. Well, no, because you didn't re- you didn't review it and prepare for it. You got any shout outs, KG? I do have some shout outs, of course. Of course I have some shout outs for God's sakes. Let's see here. Like uh, Norma Fernandez? Who? I don't know who you're talking about. Yes, Norma Fernandez. We worked together long ago at business.com and congratulations to her for starting as senior account executive at Loop Me here in Los Angeles. Happy birthday to Kate Dugan at ZipRecruiter. She's one of my favorites over there. She's fantastic. And happy birthday to Dr. Chris Croner. I forgot to put the doctor. He didn't go to, you know, evil medical school to be called Mr. Croner, obviously. He's author of Never Hire a Bad Salesperson Again. Happy birthday, Chris. Hope to work with you in the future. That's all she wrote. What tells the doctor doing writing a sales book? Mm-hmm. You'd have to just read a, it to find out. What kind of doctorate did he get? Organizational psychology. Oh, he's one of those doctors. Oh yeah. All right. Hey, Carney, thank you for the hour notice on your. Uh, You're welcome. What you got? Ben Vader's just started a VP of Sales at Zoom Info, and Mark Yost for 21 years at Deloitte. So. Ben Dater's been dating a long time. Hey, congratulate Lonnie Layton, 32 years at Bradford Health Services. Kyle Singles being promoted to Director of Talent Marketing and Social at Cameo. Mike Seco, I don't know if you remember him, 14 years at Comscope. Uh, Shamira Perkins, four years at Amica Insurance. Sean Eisman Ballers, new position at Director of New Business Development at Talent Tech Labs. Natalie Costaloganis, I think I got it close. She got promoted to business development director at talent.com. Brennan Carson, thank you for your service. Started a new position as chief revenue officer at Calamp Morgan. Or Calamp, Morgan Isham, seven years in American marketing and publishing. Becky Morton Crate, promoted to head of client services at Sweet Analytics. Speaking of Sweet, David Sweet got a new gig. Communication specialist at Northwestern Mutual. Michael Sullivan, three years at Career Builder. He's been there more than three years. I don't know why it's like that on LinkedIn, but uh, congratulations on your three-year anniversary of being there. Three years times probably four. Do you even know all these people that you're thinking? Do I know? They showed up on LinkedIn. Hell yeah, I know them. We're like, That's better than showing up on your driveway. It's like, it's like five <laughs> paragraphs long of shout outs. <laughs> Well, you know, Carney, uh, if you don't uh, shout them out, they won't show up. So, Karen, thanks for coming on the show. Like, how did KG get a hold of you? You look like you're pretty good at sales. You got a door opening service? We have a door opening service for 22 years. We've been opening executive level doors for our clients. And it's a a very happy business to be in to provide our clients access to the decision makers that could really change their businesses. 22 years. What happened? Uh, so is the millennial or uh, the millennium, is that what you call it? You said, you know what? We're going to start this business door opening. What were you doing before in like 1999? 
<laughs> so we, we um, my background is consumer packaged goods, brand management and business development. So I have the marketing side and the sales side, but the door opening piece of sales just comes very easily for me. And it doesn't come very easily for most people. Uh, in my experience running this company for 22 years, this is a DNA thing. Uh, you can train people to be better than they are, but you can't train them to love this part of sales. And we love this part of sales. The people we hire are experienced senior level business developers who have the DNA for this. And they don't say, oh, I have to make calls. They say, I get to make calls and connect uh. decision makers. Yeah. And uh, so this is, this is what we did. The idea came, as all good ideas come, in the bathroom of a gym a long time ago with somebody who called out, hey, I have a promotion agency. Does anyone want any part-time work? So I come out of the stall and I'm like, well, I think I'm overqualified, but let's talk. And I said to her, listen, there's something I can probably do for you for a consulting rate. How about if I got you in the door with your important prospects? And she just dropped, dropped her jaw and she said, oh my goodness, you can do that for, you would do that for me? I'm like, yeah, I could do that for you. And that's what started this business. And um, people really struggle with the beginning part of sales in terms of having conversations with people they don't know. You can't always go to conferences, trade shows, and in-person networking, especially with, within the last two years. Not a lot of that was going on. So you need to meet these, these leaders somehow and uh, meeting them where they are, either in their remote offices or in their brick and mortar offices is the, is the way to do this. But it takes a certain kind of person uh, with a certain kind of approach in order to get the access that's necessary. And that is the service we provide. Door opening. I mean, really, you, we, like I, my background was in the Yellow Pages. We, we were told, hey, meet for coffee at 7 a.m. and then go hit the doors. There's no phone calls. There's actual door knocking. Mm -hmm. um, you're on stage, you know, every time. You don't know who's going to be behind that door. When did uh, when did it turn into using the phone for you, or did you always use the the, the phone? What what give us a little progression? It was it was always the phone and email in combination. Uh, every once in a while, it's uh, sending something through the mail as well, but it's <clears> primarily <throat> phone, email, LinkedIn, but um, effectively used where many people who use the phone or use email or use LinkedIn don't use it effectively. Like when I'm giving my seminars, I'll say to all the business leaders, if somebody who didn't know you wanted to get a meeting with you, what would it take? And they say all the right things. They have to do their research on me, say mm -hmm. something meaningful, understand I'm probably not going to call them back after the first try or the second try. They, they have to change up their messaging and make it really relevant. And then I say, yes, that's exactly right. That's what we know too with the door opener service. Now tell me, what are your sales teams doing to get the meetings? And then they start to laugh because they're not doing any of that. And you know the whole idea of persona has nothing to do with the person, which it really needs to. If you're going to open a relationship, you have to do it a certain way. And most, most people and most managers don't take the time to do it effectively. And that's why they're not getting the results they hope for. How does your company specifically help? And, and who do you help? You know, you, I'm sure that it's not every business in the, in the United States is perfect for cop consulting. So, so tell us more about that. Yeah, so we, we help a lot of different industries, but what unites all of our clients is that they want to get in at the executive level. That's really important to them, whether it's C-suite, SVP, VP, director level in big companies. They are looking for big engagements or repetitive engagements. They need either one point of entry will lead them to multiple sales or that one point of entry is a big sale in and of itself. So this is a big deal that they're looking for. Usually they have a team of salespeople. Sometimes they're experienced and sometimes they're not. But what unites them all is that their sales team's time is better spent nurturing the prospects and closing the sales than it is in opening doors. 
what our clients don't articulate, because I think they don't know to articulate it, is that there is a different rhythm and cadence when it comes to the workflow of getting new doors open versus the workflow of nurturing the relationships and closing the sales. It's a good idea to separate those workflows, even if it's one person who has the responsibility of doing both sides of sales, or whether you have one person doing the opening and one person doing the nurturing and the closing, either one of of those two things. Um, So the other things that unite our, our clients is that they all say, you get me in the door, I can close most of the time, I just can't get in enough of the right doors. And when that's combined with the executive level prospect and the big engagement, we are usually the right the right solution. One of the things you said earlier was about relationships and forging relationships, which I actually think is the secret sauce of any sales rep. They're the ones who have to make and forge relationships because otherwise e-commerce, we could just sell it ourselves, right? right? Um, <clears throat> so a sales rep's out there, but what are like some of the keys to like opening the door to, especially at the executive level, because I see a lot of reps uh, completely, uh, you know, having relationships, but they're too low level and they're not being, they're not able to break down the doors. Yeah. I mean, boy, we could talk about this for a really long time. I mean, why do people do that? Like, that's the first question. Like, why do people open, open up the door at a level that's not going to get you where you need to go? One is because maybe they're not comfortable opening the door at a senior level, which is one of the reasons why our team is such a good solution because we have no problem contacting the C-suite within very large companies. Actually, a lot of times people don't even think to call those people. They're like, oh, I can't call that people. Why not? That person's a person too. And that person has, has needs that may or may not be fulfilled. That person may need to know that there's a better way to do things out there. And if you don't call them, how are they supposed to know that you even exist? But you have to say something that's really meaningful. And that's that's a critical piece. The other thing is you, you can't give up as we talked about before, just because you don't reach someone. You have to give them more and more reasons why a meeting is going to be the best decision they make all week. And I find that when many reps make these calls, they're calling to sell the entire solution when really the idea is to sell the meeting. Why should that person take a meeting with you? That's why I say to our clients, like, why should this person take a meeting with you? And if we can articulate that with language that's relevant and compelling, then that goes to the whole sales language piece of it, which we've made a whole science out of this, then you will get the meeting and the other people who either call and don't say the right things, or they don't call those people, they're calling people who can't possibly lead them where they need to go, then you win and they don't. Karen, congrats on the, the book, Path to Cash. Thank you. Yeah, it's Path to the Cash, and we also got BizDev done right. That's- Isn't it great to make money in increments of a dime at a time? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. But you, you, know, you have to think of the reason why you're putting that together. Actually, that book came out of a, a client we were doing door opening for, and he had in the promotional products industry, and he had this entire sales team of people, and I was training them on how to do a better job, not just in door opening, but also in, in the rest of the sales process too. So the module I was going to do for him one day was about overcoming objections. And he said, listen, you guys are doing door opening for me. So don't just come in and tell my people why it's important to overcome the objections. We already know why. Tell us what are the answers? That's what we need. We need the, the right answers for those objections. And I'm like, well, that's a really good point. And that's what uh, the spark of the idea to write that book. So what do you, how do you teach people to to handle objections. because so we got a lot of new people that uh, just finished uh, their undergrad and uh, in psychology and didn't go into that field. So now they're going into sales and they're getting beat up in a sales training. Uh, what is the number one thing that you can do to help these people that are like, oh man, I don't know what to say. Let me get this book. What are they gonna learn from you, Karen? Well, there's three Ps to overcoming objections, pre-think, prepare, and practice. 
if you just spend even three minutes before you pick up the phone or walk into a meeting, you can pre-think probably 90% of the objections that are going to come your way. And if you can pre-think what they are, what else can you do? You can prepare the right answers, but not just any answer, the right answers. That word right is really important. Is it the right answer? Is it going to be powerful enough? Are the words and phrases that you use in your answer going to be powerful enough to have that person stop in their tracks and say, huh, I didn't think about it like that. You're right. We should move forward. And if the answer to that is no, then you need to spend more time crafting the answers for those objections. One of the blind spots, I believe, uh, that managers make is that they'll take a new rep and have that rep sit next to a different rep who's been successful. But that doesn't mean that that rep, that rep's success is repeatable. Who knows why that rep was successful? And where's the documentation of what that rep is saying? Just because you hear it doesn't mean you internalize it. You need to be able to internalize the right answer mm -hmm. so that you can come out with it in a performance moment, which is that third P of mm -hmm. practice. Mm -hmm. Practice it in a non-performance moment and have it come out. Like we call it getting the marbles out. Get the <laughs> marbles out before you put it into a live situation where you can't call that prospect back a couple of days later and say, remember that conversation we had a couple of days ago? Yeah, I really didn't mean it like that. Let's try again. No, it's, that's it. You have one shot to make each and every one of these impressions. And the answers for the objections is, is a key piece. Now I will say, we have this whole um, module that we do as one of our seminars on reducing the number of times you're getting a particular objection. So let's say you're, you're uh, monitoring how many times you get any one particular objection, which is one of our, our best practice recommendations, because you need to know if 90% of the times you're getting objections, somebody is saying to you, I'm not interested. Well, you may just not be saying anything that's all that interesting, or that's, that's a messaging issue, or you may be contacting the wrong group of prospects. That's a target issue. So if you change one of those components, can it reduce the number of times you're getting the objection in the first place? Then you need the right answer. Mm -hmm. so we call that the objection makeover. What about? You're on the fourth P where, where no, no, he's fine. What he's about, fine. what about priorities? Like, I think sometimes when you're, you're hitting up people to try to ask them, they're not interested, they're not interested, they're not interested in it now because it's not a priority, it's not top of mind. How do you, how do you handle that? That's a really fair point. And part of that is, is the combo of target and message. So why is it a priority? Like people always say all the time, like, here's why I'm different. Well, nobody actually cares why you're different quite honestly, not in sales, maybe in marketing, but in sales, nobody cares why you're different. They only care why you are of more value to them. And mm -hmm. if you articulate that in language that lands, you get to move forward. If you don't, you, you don't move forward. And part of that is exactly what you're saying, Jamie, which is why is this important? Is this a priority? If you're not hitting somebody's top 10 with why you are of more value, your message is off. And if you are not of more value with this group of prospects, then your target is off. But these are all things that are part of the strategy piece, which needs to be pre-thought and worked out before you pick up the phone and call anybody. You forgot the fourth P. I think it's poop. Uh, <laughs> these, these new... <laughs> well, the, the kids that are calling... <laughs> you okay? We break KG there? You got to know that these kids, when, when they're making these calls, you know, 95% is going to be poop. So as long as you know that going in, you're trying to, you know, get to the 5% because you're, these objections, in order for them to uncover, uh, you know, I didn't hear anything about the, the that word script because there, if you use a script, you know, it's, it's designed for you to get the same response over and over and over so you can reply over and over and over the same way with confidence, right? So if you if you can do that, you feel like you have control and you have you have confidence. And just like you said, you know, if you can write down what what are you getting stumped by? I think Brian Tracy said there's the 
the law of seven. There's seven things that stump you. If you can narrow those down, get onto the new seven, respond with confidence. Because a lot of times these objections, Karen, they're, you know, we have our script as a salesperson and then the buyer has their script too. I'm not interested. Okay. That's part of their script. Okay. Get on to the next one. It's like peeling away a layer of an onion. The buyers only have two or three layers to get through and then you get to the core issue. What is your thoughts on the script to get to that core issue of whatever the the, the buyer needs or, or doesn't need, Karen? Well, first of all, life doesn't happen according to a script. And <laughs> Amen. Definitely not at the C-suite level or SVP or VP level. Like You have to be in the conversation with them uh, as opposed to delivering a line. That's part of the reason why people get tripped up is they're just delivering a line. And if somebody goes off script, then the seller can't keep up with them and get shut down and the call is over. And not only that, but think of the impression you just left with that really important person. So we don't like to call it a script. For us, it's more of a springboard. And it's not learning the script. It's internalizing the conversation. Mm -hmm. So there are certain words and phrases that are going to work harder for you than other words and phrases. So when we do the sales messaging at any door opener program, ready to launch. It's messaging strategists. They're, they're not marketing people. Most marketing people have no experience in sales. So how are they supposed to write this information? They should be writing for the website. They should be writing for the collateral, but not for a salesperson. That needs to be done by somebody who has held this role, who knows what it's like to have the right answer and knows what it's like not to have the right answer, who can choose words and phrases that will be meaningful to the prospect. And then there needs to be different options because when we give this to our door openers, it's not one size fits all. That's not the way it works. Then the door opener needs to do research on the individual prospect and further personalize that message to the individual. I saw from my research that you, you've been speaking on X, Y, and Z. Well, that made me think that it's important for us to have a conversation about and then fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. And that is more meaningful and relevant to that, inf- that individual. Why should that person take that meeting? Mm-hmm. Most, most sales messaging that I've seen, especially script-related, does not get you to a place of being able to have a conversation with an executive and get an outcome. It's better to be respected than it is to be liked. And in that first 30 seconds of that conversation, you're not trying to say, hey, how are those cubbies out there? And, uh, you know, that, that's not what we're trying to accomplish. And so when I, when I guide my clients in that first 15 seconds, it's I noticed that you were doing this and, and so that it is, is customized. And if you have a, by the way, of course, you know this, if you have a, a, a SDR or an appointment setting team, <clears throat> that is not technology enabled and you're asking them to make a hundred dials a day because that's all that matters you're not going to get that level of personalization and your your you know connect rates are going to be low do you agree let's start with that well it, well it depends on how many hours of that day are they working is it 24 is it yeah right yeah like how, right. Many, how many hours but like if they're if they're asking for so many dials in a day, you're going to have really crappy dials because, and that's a management issue, just like not providing the right sales messaging is a management issue. Managers really don't understand this process and don't understand what's necessary will put those kinds of of, um, metrics on a team. But what we've learned, especially at the executive level, that it's it's more of a slow dance. This is a slow dance. Like you may want to go fast, but what you want means nothing. The only thing that matters is what the prospect wants and what's going to work with this prospect. You, We once did a study a lot of years ago, and we have bar charts on how long it takes to make any kind of call. So mm-hmm. whether you're just calling and you're leaving a voicemail, or you're calling, you're leaving a voicemail, and then writing an email, or the navigation call where you call and you find out this is not the person who initiates requests for what you sell, you need to speak with somebody else. And we put all that together. And when I show people 
how long it takes to do this right. And I'll walk them through. Okay, one to two minutes to get through the greeting. The, here's the voicemail. This is how long it takes. It's four minutes. Then you have to put your notes in your CRM. And then mm -hmm. you have to open up the next one. You have to look at where you left off last time. Mm -hmm. and think about what the strategy is before you can pick up the phone. Of course, the managers want that. But then when you add up how much time it takes to make these calls and compare that against the metrics, it's, it's a math problem that doesn't work. And that's, that's right. a management issue too. Yeah, there's some there's some number between one and a thousand calls a day that like there's this combination of quality and quantity. I think that uh, many uh, lead gen leaders you know miss out on. But but let's but let, let's let's uh, dive into lead gen a little a little bit further. You know we, we've all got a little bit of experience in in doing you know outsourcing for our lead lead generation efforts. How do companies know? that they, they like need to consider outsource lead gen? Right, well, one way to know is if you're not getting as many of the right meetings that as you want to grow your business, you need to do something different. A lot of times people will say, oh, well, let me see how my sales team does because I'm going to yell at them a little bit and that, or I'll offer them some extra incentives and then we can talk <laughs> about it three or six months from now. I'm like, that's fine. But three or six months from now, you just lost three to six months. And what's going to change, right? So one way is if you just need more meetings with the right prospects that you're currently, than you're currently getting. Sometimes the sales teams are getting meetings with prospects, but they're not the right prospects. You may want to swim upstream and go after bigger decision makers, larger deals, higher level titles than your team is comfortable doing. Time is another factor. If you have a lot in rotation and you need your team to be spending their time nurturing the relationships and bringing those sales to a close, starting a whole new batch of prospects that takes time. Remember, this is a slow dance, not a fast dance. You're then taking these people who are probably really good at having the meeting and closing over to something uh, that they're probably not that good at, which is opening and dividing their time and their workflow. So adding the extra outside appointment setting firm uh, is, is a good idea at that point. We, we call it um, TTD, time, talent, and desire. And let's say just your team would rather put a stick in their eye than do this job. And many people feel that way, which, by the way, I really appreciate because it's kept us in business for 22 years. Then you may need to consider having an outside team. One time there was, there was one of our clients who hired us just to prove his sales team wrong in the fact that they said that this one particular prospect, there was no way to get a meeting with that prospect. So to, to prove a sales team wrong, our client hired us and that one prospect was the first meeting we got. So it's, it's doable. And uh, so this is another way just to show like, here's the recipe. And then the sales team, when they see what we're doing, will adopt a lot of what we're doing too. And the whole business acumen of the sales team just increases. Karen, what's your ideal customer profile or ICP? Because a lot of times when you, uh, I, you would consider yourself a consultant, right? Yeah, we, I run a company of senior level door openers who get the doors open for our clients. Be, because anytime you suggest a, a consultant at a company, the higher ups kind of look at it. What, why are you bringing in a consultant? Because they're sort of like insecure. Because if you got to bring a third party in, why do I need you? Like, how do you get past that? What size company uh, do you is your sweet spot that you don't have to deal with that kind of thinking or is that kind of thinking everywhere? How do you get past that uh, consultant ew, mindset where you just borrow, a consultant borrows your watch to tell you the time? Is that what the saying is? <laughs> yeah. Well, a, a lot of consultants will just come in and assess something and say, here's what you should do. Whereas what we do is we land the appointments for our clients. Like when I was in the bathroom of that gym and I'm thinking about what is the most value that I could really add for this person, it's not telling her how to do it. It's actually just doing it for her so that she can take that opportunity and run with it. That's, that's the efficiency there. And there are a lot of people, Pete, to your point, 
that the managers and their managers who feel like, oh, I'm in charge of making sure that this happens. And if I go ask for outside help and funding for that help, how is it going to look for me? Well, it, it's going to look really smart on your part to make sure that your team is spending the time and using your coaching to make sure that they're getting those sales closed while someone else is protecting the top of the funnel in a way that puts the, the right prospects in progress. You know, one of the things that, um, that I say to people over and over again is that target is probably one of the most important of the five planks of door opening success. If you find yourself later on in the sales process, after the first meeting, after the second meeting, after the proposal, things are stuck and they're just not moving, the offender usually is target. So if you have a team of people who, like our company who understands this strategically, and we're only going to put the exact right prospects on the list with the exact right message, with someone who knows how to get this work done, who gets to make these calls and really wants to do this work, then you're going to have the exact right prospects coming in the top of your funnel all day long so your team can close. There's an efficiency well, metrics, you know, you, you've been talking a lot about metrics. There's been a bunch of metrics you've sort of been hinting at the whole time here. Um, what type of metrics would you recommend uh, that people start monitor, uh, managing towards a, as a sales manager, sales leader? And if you could share some of those, those would be really important for the audience. Yeah, a, a couple of them. Now, everybody's got their favorites that they're watching. And I'm not saying abandon those, but here are ones that will help you to make sure that you're being most efficient with the time and that the, the prospects that you are spending your time with are the exact right prospects. The, the first one is what percent of your closed deals come from important win clients? Because everybody's, not everybody, but many people's definition of an important win client changed during the pandemic. And then it changed again, but they didn't necessarily tell their teams or change the prospect list. So if you're getting a lot of closed sales, but those closed sales aren't meaningful sales for you, then something needs to be different. And that's usually a target offender, right? So a, another one is... What percent of your first meetings with new prospects are going to second meetings? I was shocked when one of our prospects, who's now been a client of ours for two years, told me that her inside sales team had 39% of their first meetings went to second meetings. I was stunned because 99.9% .9 of our first meetings go to second meetings. There's really no reason why it shouldn't. If, if your first meetings aren't going to second meetings, you either have a, a problem with the target, that's, that's the first offender, or your rep didn't set up enough value during the meeting to warrant a second meeting. Or the third one is your rep just didn't ask for the third meeting, the second meeting rather. So especially now that most of these meetings that we're setting up for our clients are virtual, although we will set up in person if people want that, our door opener is on the meeting with our client. And because our door opener represents our clients as if the, this person was a member of our client's team, it's very seamless for the prospect. We do a warm handoff, remind the prospect why he or she said yes to the meeting, put them in what we call the conversation funnel, and then turn it over to our client who does what he or she does best with a little guidance from us beforehand, because we're doing mini refreshers on how to have the best kind of conversation. And then at the end, if our client doesn't ask for the next step, date and time, the door opener will jump in and get it. And that's why 99.9% .9 of our first meetings go to second meetings. Those are just a couple, along with that, the, the tracking of which objections uh, are kind of topping the scales. Those, those are good ones. I could keep going, but I, I think that gives you an idea. What are the touch points? Uh, let's just say over a six-week cycle. Is it six weeks? Like how many emails, phone calls uh, do you suggest? Uh, what's what's the split on that? Or do you have one? Well, that also follows a set of three Ps where the Ps are different in this case. Persistence with patience without pissing anyone off, right? <laughs> so you have to have those three things together and the cadence is really important there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So you may contact somebody maybe once or twice, phone call, email and combo, phone alone doesn't do it. 
Email alone doesn't do it. It's phone, email, and combination. Yes, you can use cell phones now. Before the pandemic, I never would have recommended that Mm -hmm. uh, as part of initial outreach. It's a little creepy, but people are used to using their cell phones now and receiving calls and texts from people they don't know. I don't recommend it as a first outreach, by the way. I, I definitely say send an email or two and call their office phone, and then you can let them know it may be easier for us to connect by cell phone. I'm going to go ahead and reach out to you that way. So at least they know it's coming. And uh, we are we have been very successful with that strategy. Um, but it takes time. It does. I would say a good rule of thumb is anywhere between eight and 12 touch points that are spread out over several weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, managers don't want to hear that. They want to hear that as soon as a list goes into rotation, meetings pop. And sometimes they do. We just we started a new program. Uh, when was it? I guess it was last Thursday. And the mm-hmm. first meeting, with, which is with the CFO, uh, was just booked today. So that's kind of new. That's that's early on in the process. Usually awesome. a couple of weeks to get the attention of the, these senior level decision makers, have them really understand why this meeting is of such benefit, and then say yes to the date and time. It takes time. Managers don't want to give the time that's yeah. necessary and will often put the kibosh on a program uh, or, you know, or initiative of their own team that's working exactly as it should, but just didn't deliver in the time frame that the manager wanted. Can I add a fifth P? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, peace out. Three, so we need two more. All right. Fourth P. Peace out. When do you peace out? It's like, all right, I did my yeah. touches. When do you... Got to okay, go on to the next that's one. That's a great question, right? So, and I'm going to tell you a story that goes along with that because in the beginning of, of uh, our, our tenure in our company, I was the door opener. It's by far my favorite thing to do. I don't get to do it anymore because someone told me I have to run the company. So I do that. But um, so I remember I was calling a, a very large pharmaceutical company located in New Jersey. So there's only a few of them. So you probably figure out which one. And I had called this person for two years, two years. And I'm a big note taker. So I can see all, all the different notes and that went into contacting that person. Now, I was getting them other meetings in that two years, this one. And I had spoken with her. She said, yeah, we, our needs are completely covered. And I love the study of the answers for objections. I find it fascinating. So I would come at it from a variety of different angles and her needs were truly covered. But I got to one day and here she was again, this one person. And I remember thinking to myself, I have to be crazy to call this person again. Like at what point do you just give up? But one of those other qualities of this kind of person is methodical and it like physically pained me to move over her name and go to the next one i i had to call and i'm really glad i did because that was the day that she said i'm really glad you called today karen because things have changed and now it's time for us to have this meeting had i not made that call my client would not have that meeting my client would not have closed that business and when that big pharmaceutical company acquired another big pharmaceutical company, this was the company that got, that was the vendor for both because I made that call that day. So when do you know to give up? Let's talk first about Target. As long as every single prospect on your list is the exact right prospect for you based on some strategic filters that have to be in place before the list is created, If you know that they're the right prospects, then it's just a matter of time. And certain things may have to change. One time, one of the prospects had to retire. And then when the new prospect answered, all of a sudden they were reviewing vendors and it created an opportunity. So there's, there's lots of different ways to skin this cat. But the answer is, as long as you know that this is the right prospect and you have no new information that leads you to believe it's not the right prospect, then hang in there and keep trying because your competition won't. In fact, uh, if you guys know uh, Dan Kennedy, he has this wonderful quote that the difference between garbage and salad is timing. 
<laughs> you, you've written a blog post about what my dad taught me about sales and life. And there, there are some great lessons in there. One of the things though, I'm really intrigued on, do you find, like I find a lot of sales reps, they, they're missing a swagger when they're talking to the C-level suite. Is that one of the lessons? Like, how do you teach that? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that when they get to that C-level, when they knock down that door, the first objection that they hear, they're not audible ready and they sort of cower. I mean, it does go back to preparation, right? They have to be prepared to get on the phone with somebody like that because you, as I said, don't get a second chance at that conversation. So don't go into it if you're not prepared. Don't go, like, sometimes it has to do with workflow too. In addition to the other things we've already covered, if they, if the sales rep has a variety of things that they have to do, they have to call their current clients, they have to uh, do the report for the manager who just dropped it on their desk, and they have to call 10 prospects today, that doesn't really give them enough time to sit and think about from the prospect's point of view, what is it that that person can hear today based on the, the messages you may have left and the LinkedIn outreach you may have done and the research that you've done? What is it that they need to hear today that will help them come to this right conclusion? And if you're motoring through your 10 calls, just so you have 10 calls, you have 10 crappy calls. And so you, you really need to spend the time that's necessary and think of these prospects as people. Like they're just people. They, sometimes the reps will have this persona and this, um, I don't know, it's, a, it's almost like a robotic kind of delivery. Language plus delivery equals outcome. What you say and how you say it determines the result. It's both of those things. You can have the best content in the world, but if your delivery stinks, then you've gotten nowhere. It's both of those things. And that has to be done and prepared for before you start reaching out to your important prospects. We, even though we hire very senior level business developers who are crackerjack at this job and they get to make the calls and this is what they want to do with their time, they are not contacting our, pros our clients' prospects without a role play with the messaging strategist uh, who throws in some curveballs too, because you have to figure out which objection you're facing in order to know which answer you use. It doesn't come, always come out in the exact format the, that the objection is written in. So what are you doing in that two minutes, minute and a half, minute, to really understand what is at the heart of this so that you can use the right response and get to the next step? Um, you, were, you were asking me about um, the appointment setting firms and when you know that they're right, when because one of the things that you had written to me ahead of time is that people have use some companies like this and not had the results that they want. And why is that? So what if you want outside help, how do you make the best choice for yourself? And some of that has to do with the level of prospect that you're trying to get in to see and the complexity. Is it a concept sale? Is it a product sale? Is it a transactional? Because if it's a concept, a new concept, uh, if you're if it's a highly competitive environment or it's a new idea, are you putting a senior level door opener on that assignment or are you putting an SDR who may be a year or two out of college who mm -hmm. can't hold their own in a conversation with the CFO of Pepsi? Mm -hmm. There are a mismatch there because sometimes there's a mismatch. Remember that when it comes to door opening, if you're not getting as many doors open as you think you should, there's a problem in one or more of five key planks. It's either the right target, the right sales message, not the marketing message, the right answers for objections, the right door opener doing the work. That's a big offender there, especially with appointment setting firms that hire low level people, which we don't. And then the fifth is the, uh, the right execution. Is it a phone call? Is it an email? How many phone calls? How many emails? How many LinkedIn's? What's the quality of that outreach? So we make sure that all five of those planks are in place and working properly. And that's one of the reasons why we've been around for 22 years. It's better to use you than the Philippines too, right? Well, it, it depends. If you're trying to open doors in the Philippines, then the Philippines may be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, so edit, nice. we'll edit that she, out in post. 
<laughs> well, all the private equity firms out there, oh, we just go to the Philippines and uh, you get what you pay for. Well, right? yes, but if you're selling coffee to an office manager, maybe one of the, the folks in the Philippines would do a really nice job. But if you're trying to get, get in with a, an executive level prospect, then they're probably not going to be able to hold their own in a conversation like this. And that's where the, when you do go to look at appointment setting firms, make sure that there's a match, not a mismatch in the person who's actually doing the work, not that person's manager, but the person who's actually doing the work is the right person to represent your company, your brand, and get you the important win meetings. Karen Kopp, thank you so much for coming on the show. What's the best way for uh, prospective companies to learn more about you? Yes, they should come to our website, which is copconsultingusa.com, K-O-P-P, consultingusa.com. And let us know that you learned of us by being on the, on the Sassholes podcast, and we will make sure to take really good care of you and help you, whether you hire us or you don't, you need more meetings in order to grow yourself. Give them some love, Karen. Give them some of that Patreon love. <laughs> Karen, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for uh, having me. On behalf of Jamie, Justin, KG, myself, Pete, we thank you for listening. If you like what you heard today, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm just telling you, the algorithms really love it when you hit that little bell and subscribe. It'll take 30 people from learning about SAS to 3,000. We'd like to say thanks to our Patreon supporter for supporting our content. It's a real ego boost. Please give us five stars on the Apple Podcasts. KG, you know anything about Brent Keltner? He's got a master class. I've heard it's a masterful master class. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you got a challenge for training and enablement stuck in the old product-driven model, the, the even bigger challenge is changing the product-driven mindset. Your solution is... Brent Keltner's Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass with sales and marketing expert Brent Keltner. I'm sure editing will make that sound great. Request a free 60-minute growth consultation at winalytics.com. Ask for Brent and say Karen Kopp sent you. We'd also, like <laughs> to, we'd also like to thank Aaron J. and Trent S. Hey, let's not forget about Iron Man. Unlock key account growth with Demand Farm Smart Software to bring account planning and relationship intelligence into your CRM, making key account management practice data-driven, predictable, and scalable. Request a demo now at demandfarm.com. Ask for Ironman. Hey, recruiters, you're looking for a, uh, a good software manager? We got a good one here. 10 years. I don't know what these acronyms are, but there's a no in there. Check it out. Email Pete at sassholes.net if you're interested. All right, guys, thank you for listening. Cue the non-copyrighted music.